Welcome, Welcome to the NYC Lab Podcast, the Daily Chomp. A student who has run the podcast is the NYC Lab community of the world and the world. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us on this stream. Hello, beautiful people. My name is Cole Gushy Nelson, and this is my segment, Old King Cole's Neighborhood Show, where we explore and talk about different neighborhoods in New York. Today, we'll take a pause from our usual programming to commemorate Black History Month in this special episode. The area known as Weeksville in Brooklyn is today part of Crown Heights, but it was one of the oldest black settlements in the state of New York. It all started in 1838, 11 years after slavery was abolished in New York. James Weeks, a stevedore from Virginia, purchased a plot of land from investor Henry Thompson, who was a prominent member of, Brooklyn, of Brooklyn's free black community. The land had previously been owned by a white grocer and before that by members of the Lefferts family, one of the most prominent families in Brooklyn going back to Dutch times. Soon after Weeks bought the land, he teamed up with other black land investors to establish a village. This village covered an area that is currently bounded by Fulton Street to the north, East New York Avenue to the south, Ralph Avenue to the east, and Troy Avenue to the west. It was one of the earliest and largest free black communities in the U.S. before the Civil War. Weeksville quickly became prosperous, with a 1906 New York Age article describing the old house of James Weeks, by then long dead, as handsome. Within 20 years of its founding, Weeksville had over 500 residents, with people who were born nearby, as well as migrants from the south and even two African-born residents. Nearly a third of men in the village owned the land their houses stood on. At the time, blacks had to own property and pay taxes on it in order to vote in New York. This therefore meant that the community could make its voice heard in local elections. Weeksville had two churches, the Bevel Tabernacle African Methodist Episcopal Church and the Berrien Missionary Baptist Church. It had a school called Colored School No. 2, the first school in America with an integrated staff and student body. Weeksville also had a cemetery and a home for the elderly. The community published one of America's first black-owned newspapers, the Freedmen's Torchlight. Weeksville became a center of black philanthropy in the U.S. The biggest group was the African Civilization Society. It was originally founded to promote emigration of free blacks to Liberia, which, as many of you may know, was founded as a colony for freed slaves from the Americas. However, after emancipation and the Civil War, the organization changed its focus to helping freedmen in the South, recruiting 126 teachers to work at rural schools. It also published the community's newspaper, The Freedmen's Torchlight. In 1863, many blacks from Manhattan fled to Weeksville to escape the New York draft riots, in which an army of Irish laborers in Manhattan protested the draft by looting anything associated with the Civil War, including black community targets. <laughs> One of Weeksville's most notable institutions was the Howard Colored Orphan Asylum, one of the only orphanages in America to be run by and for black people. It was founded in 1868 by local Presbyterian minister and African Civilization Society member Henry Wilson, 
local philanthropist Sarah Tillman, and white general Oliver Otis Howard, who served in the city in the Civil and Indian Wars. It was originally called the Home for Freed Children and Others, and a sort of daycare center for, and it was a sort of daycare center for the kids of newly arrived black women from the South while they searched for work during the day. Despite its white benefactors, its affiliation with the African Civilization Society, which supported segregation, meant that for most of its existence, the staff was all black. The home made a profit by renting the children out to wealthy households as indentured servants. In 1888, due to financial mismanagement, Wilson was ousted, and the home was taken over by a blind preacher named William Francis Johnson. In the 1890s, the previous indentured system was abolished, and the home became more focused on vocational education. The school during this time had high-hitting benefactors like Booker T. Washington and Hampton Institute, one of the oldest black colleges in America. In 1902, the home was taken over by the state due to financial mismanagement, and it no longer had an all-black staff. In 1906, the home hosted Oda Benga, a Congolese pygmy who was originally exhibited in the Bronx Zoo's Monkey House before protests from the black community led to his release. The following year held more changes in instability at the Howard Asylum. In 1908, it was renamed the Howard Orphanage and Industrial School, and L. Hollingsworth Wood, a white Quaker, became its president. In 1910, its Brooklyn location was declared unsafe due to unsanitary conditions, and in 1911, the home moved all of its operations, at this time around 250 children, to a 572-acre farm in Kings Park, Long Island, which had originally been owned by a Jewish organization. Howard planned to teach its charges agricultural skills and expand to house upward of a thousand children at the farm. However, Howard was in desperate need of funding just as an influx of black migrants from the South put its services under heightened demand. In 1917, a campaign to save Howard was launched by, among others, New York Evening Post owner Oswald Garrison Villard and well-known black activist W.E.B. Du Bois. It failed, and the school was unable to make basic repairs, leading to minimal heating and frozen pipes in winter. In 1918, frozen pipes at the school burst, and two students contracted frostbite and had to have their feet amputated. The school was then closed by the state, and the state sued Howard for negligence, but it was acquitted by a Suffolk County jury. The farm Howard occupied was turned into an agricultural school for Russian boys. Howard's former trustees then established a scholarship fund to pay school tuition for black students in Brooklyn. In 1956, it was named the Howard Memorial Fund and provided scholarships until the 1990s. As Brooklyn gradually urbanized in the late 19th century, the old settlement of Weeksville disappeared, and most residents forgot about its existence. In 1968, Pratt Institute archaeologists, led by James Hurley, began a search for traces of the old village. As part of his search, Hurley and local resident Joseph Haynes conducted aerial investigations and consulted maps and books about the area going back centuries. Eventually, four historic houses from the original Weeksville were discovered on Bergen Street between Buffalo and Rochester Avenues. These houses became known as the Hunterfly Road Houses, and their discovery led to a massive preservation campaign being launched. In 1970, Hurley and numerous local activists founded the Society for the Preservation of Weeksville and Bedford-Stuyvesant. They bought the Hunterfly Roadhouses in 1973 and later renamed themselves the Weeksville Heritage Center, rehabilitating the houses through much of the 80s and 90s. In 2005, the Weeksville Heritage Center opened to the public. The center still manages the Hunterfly Roadhouses to this day in partnership with the National Park Service. 
The discovery of the Hunterfly Roadhouses has also led to more knowledge of Weeksville's history and heritage in the surrounding Crown Heights neighborhood. PS42, located in the boundaries of the old Weeksville, is now known as the Weeksville School, and the village's name has been applied more generally to the neighborhood, which remains mostly black, both African American and West Indian. Weeksville is an important story of black history in New York. In its time, it was an empowering story of black self-reliance and prosperity. Today, it is a key example of a forgotten aspect of black history that has been rediscovered. That's all the news that's fit to print on Weeksville. Happy Black History Month to all of you. Thanks for joining us on the Daily Shit Chomp and Old King Cole's Neighborhood Show. And don't forget to listen to Cameron's episode. Bye!